Welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. I'm your host, Mick West. My guest today is Brad, an electronics engineer and expert in mathematics. Brad likes to keep an open mind about any new idea or new claim that he encounters. This led him to give a bit more credence than most people would do to the flat earth conspiracy theory, but his math background allowed him very quickly to figure out that it was false. We talk about how a strong grounding in math and science can help people get out of the rabbit hole as quickly as possible. So Brad, welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. Yeah, pleasure to be here. And a pleasure to meet you, Nick West. Yeah, I'm very glad to have you here. You're another person on the podcast who I met via Metabunk. Like you posted on Metabunk and you, you posted a few very interesting posts about your, your history with various uh, kind of conspiracy theories like Flat Earth. Tell us a bit about, kind of before you got into that, one thing you mentioned was that you watched the movie Zeitgeist. Uh, yeah, way back when I was a uh, teenager, I think I watched that and it had uh, a lot of information about like, corruption and how 9-11 was an inside job and I kind of didn't have a lot of meaning in my life so that movie kind of just gave me meaning. I don't really remember what the meaning was anymore but it, it gave me some sort of kind of purpose or goal in life I guess. You remember how old you would have been like like uh, 15 or 16 or something like that? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's, a very, it's an interesting movie, Zeitgeist. It's obvious, it's a blend of uh, 9-11 conspiracy theories and the monetary stuff, and then there's a bunch of strange religious stuff as well. Were you religious at the time when you when you saw that? I mean, I went to church. I wasn't religious. Because I remember I was just a kid when uh, I went to church, and I didn't really get anything out of it. I, I didn't even know what the numbers on the wall meant. I realized later those were the, uh, the pages or the verses that were going to be discussed that day. <laughs> I think a lot of people who... You know, people have religious backgrounds like that, and then they, they get into other things in a way, kind of replacing their, their religion. Like, I remember when I was uh, in my late teens, I was kind of searching for meaning, and I was, like, going to esoteric books stores and things like that and thinking, oh, maybe I'll become a sun worshipper or something, just just because it would be uh, kind of a fun thing to do, not because I believe that the sun was a god or anything, but... It's just there's something attractive, I think, about believing in something. I kind of didn't have any really meaning at all. I just kind of went to church. I was like, "What am I going to do? I'm just going to have to uh, go to church, get married, have a family, mm. uh, work some more to raise a kid, then die." And, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that was that was my life plan. At that yeah, point. yeah, but <laughs> so uh, I needed something else. So you know, you watched like guys as a teenager, and that kind of like you, you didn't really get into it though. No, it just kind of spoke me on a subconscious level, I guess. I mm-hmm. can't remember any of the details, really. I might—I was thinking I might watch it before um, well, we did this podcast, but uh, I couldn't find the time. So after after Zeitgeist, what would be like your first brush with this kind of like esoteric beliefs like this, like Flat Earth and things like that? Well, I'd say what, uh, like I said, opened my mind to different ways of thinking. And then obviously I went to university. I studied uh, for an electrical engineering degree. And um, I guess when, I guess you probably have the experience too of like being an undergraduate and then your mind just opens to this whole world of possibilities in a good way. Yeah. In Manchester, I went to college and uh, studied computer science, uh, computation, they called it back then. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it's a completely different world when you go to college. Like, I grew up, I grew up in a smallish town, and all of a sudden I'm in a big city surrounded by loads of people, loads of clever people. So it's uh, it can be quite mind-altering going to college. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's hard to explain. <laughs> so Flat Earth, tell us about your first experience with, with Flat Earth. 
Well, the first experience with that was I just kind of met a guy online who was extremely confident, and then I tried to like, I was like, oh, I got to talk him out of this, you know. I just I went in a search just to find someone who was a flatterer's believer, just to kind of talk them out of it, and I couldn't. And actually, they won. We had like a little one-on-one debate, and he actually sort of won the debate. Hmm. And I thought that can't happen if the Earth is round. Like, surely all people are open to the facts and uh yeah so he, he you won the debate with this guy and he won the debate with you yeah yeah so uh, did you <laughs> did you then start uh, to try to figure out what went wrong in the debate yeah i was wondering like how, how was i like i knew because uh, i thought i knew the earth was round i'd seen the pictures from space and i'd mm-hmm. uh i've used gps and i've uh, seen the moon uh i mean i watched apollo17.org that was really interesting they have like this whole chronological um exposition of the entire apollo 17 mission so i mean like that can't all be wrong so i was thinking like okay how is this guy more confident than me right that, that's what shook me up do you remember the arguments that he used at the time uh yeah it was something like he showed me that the uh the first photo from space or mm-hmm. something where you can't really see the curve of the horizon because it wasn't taken from very high and then yeah. he said that's the last photo they took from space everything after that is just hollywood cgi and it's like well how do you counter that I suppose, like, if you simply claim that everything is fake, then it's kind of a hard thing to disprove that it isn't. So how did you set about, like, trying to convince yourself that the Earth wasn't flat? Yeah, well, I I had to do some sort of experiment. Like, I had to do something that the Greeks did, something like that, like the Eratosthenes experiment. That's a bit of a pain because you got to find two different latitudes and you got to really use a lot of information for a large distance that they measured that was out of the question so so again and i think you know the simple experiment is like uh if earth is a ball uh, actually maybe um oh. oh here we go yeah all right so you've got a big spreadsheet with is this a spreadsheet you you made yeah this is basically just the same thing as your curve calculator but i had to do it myself just to make sure that there were no mistakes because you have a you have a math background so you would uh you would understand all of the uh, the equations needed for figuring out yeah, the uh I think that's one of the big problems with, with flat earth people is a lot of them don't have a very good math background. And so trying to explain things to them, you kind of, yeah, it's an insurmountable hurdle in some ways uh, because you yeah. can't actually uh, explain math to people who don't understand math. Yeah, I remember being in grade 12 and asking the teacher, like, what is sine of X? I mean, I know what it is now. It's just like when you just calculate the ratio of the opposite over the hypotenuse, but. Then it was very difficult for me to understand that in high school. It, t- it took a while to... Yeah, I think it's it's good to kind of think back to when you didn't understand things. There's lots of things with computer programming I, I did not understand. Like I remember once somebody asked me when I was like 15 or so, what's the hardest thing in programming that you know of? And at that time I said arrays, which is one of the simplest things possible in, in programming when you're an actual programmer. It's, it's this trivial thing in, in programming. But back then, it seemed like this bizarre, strange way of doing variables where you have lots of different uh, instances of the same variable. What does this all mean? And yeah. it, it, it's fascinating to like just remember when you didn't understand anything. And uh, I think it's kind of useful if you try to apply that to other people as well. And they don't. They've got no idea of things that you think are really simple they just don't know anyway back to you were you were doing you did some math you did your spreadsheet and you got a curve calculator where you can figure out uh how much of things should be hidden in the distance and then did you go and actually do some observations 
Yeah, I, I was very lucky that I had like um, a stretch of island that uh, I do a lot of videos on it on the Wiggles channel. I guess I'll throw that name out there now. But yeah, that's just all the observations I did. That's basically all I did is just there's a stretch of ocean. It's like 66 kilometers to mm. Backaloo Island from the beach. And then there's this big bluff right next to it that you can just climb up. So that's perfect for... Yeah, that sounds ideal. Yeah, uh, if, if uh, Earth were flat, then uh, you would see the island from the beach. So it's the perfect opportunity to contradict the globe model. And I was, yeah. as I was driving down the road, I was like, oh, I really hope I see that island. I, <laughs> I really hope I don't I don't see that island from the beach, because if I, if I see that from the beach, that's going to be hell. That's... <laughs> You weren't just like debunking that. You were actually investigating for yourself. You were trying to figure yeah. out for yourself whether the, there might be something to this this flat Earth thing. Yeah, but, just I didn't uh, know what the shape of the Earth was at that point. I had a, a moment of looking around. I was like, maybe the Earth is flat. I mean, it looks flat. I don't it, feel motion. I don't see curvature. <laughs> I know it, it does look flat, and I think <laughs> that's what gets a lot of people. And when I say a lot of people, I don't think there are really that many people who believe in the flat Earth. It's one of the the least well believed uh, conspiracy theories out there. If you look at the the surveys they do, it's always right at the bottom down there with uh, shape-shifting aliens. In fact, shape-shifting aliens actually get, get quite a bit more belief, you know, depending on which version you ask. But yeah, a lot of people, they get into it because they uh, it, it looks flat because it's so big. It's uh, You know you look out, especially over the ocean, and you get this huge, flat-looking thing with this uh, horizon, which also looks flat. I just wanted, before we moved on too far, I just wanted to describe my descent in the rabbit hole. It's like, it's kind of like, it was like a slip and slide down the rabbit hole and there was a trampoline waiting for me at the bottom, which was my background in mathematics and just bounced mm. me right back up. Kind of, so I, <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. So you had a, a not, not a parachute, but yeah, like you say, a, a trampoline at the bottom. Because it's, just, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, like you've got some kind of antimatter or something that when it touches this stuff, which is completely impossible, you know how to figure stuff out. And because you do... You, you would just be repelled from it because you 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 know that it's false because you can do the math, whereas a lot of people mm. cannot do the math, and so they stay stuck down the rabbit hole. Yeah, they were not fortunate to have a trampoline waiting for them. So did you did you kind of take this knowledge and kind of go back and try and convince people? I tried to, yeah. Um, I like I kind of participated on the like in the YouTube flat Earth community, and um, I think uh, when I enter the chat room, it's kind of they get a kick out of me because like my name is like Wiggles, it's a silly name, and uh, they all kind of think I'm kind of stupid and dumb, which kind of makes them less afraid of me, which I think <laughs> is a good tactic. <laughs> that is good. But then you roll out this these mathematical explanations. How do they react to those? Well, they. Uh, the one that sticks out in my mind is they just say like math and equations are just numbers on a page which don't prove anything. You got to go out and actually prove it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if I'm going to communicate results, I'm not going to use English. I'm going to use mathematics because mathematics is the better language here. I think something that they mean there is that they want you to actually go and measure the distance with like a tape measure from the beach to the island, which is. It's kind of, uh, you know, they demand these direct measurements when you're doing, you know, essentially direct measurements by doing line of sight. But uh, it's, it's you, know, you can't actually do the measurements that they require. So it's like a get out of jail free card for them. They, they say, well, unless you're actually 
measure the distance to the island, how far, how do you know how far away it is? And if you've not actually checked the line of sight to see if it's straight, how do you know it's straight? Yeah, um, I think they are kind of a little bit past that now because I'm trying to do the observations in a way that, like, when I'm showing them the videos I recorded, I'm trying to do it in a way that, like, there's, it appeals to their senses. I'm just like, that thing is far away. Here's the beach. Here's my feet next to the mm-hmm. water. There's a hill up there. I'm going to go up there. So I, 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 don't, I don't even really need to do any measurements because, again, I had to convince myself that the earth was not flat, which is not hard to do at all, really. It's, yeah. And then, but then I got to do the measurements in such a way that they will believe my senses. So, um, so I think they're kind of past the point that, like, because even like that guy Ranty, yeah. um, he's a flat earther, and he he actually made a video about one of my videos. But basically, he agreed with me that when I went high up, I could see the distant island. When I went low down, I couldn't see the distant island. So I mean. He agrees with that. <laughs> but he still thinks the Earth is flat, and he thinks there's some kind of reason why this happens, which uh, it's it's actually quite hard to understand what's going on in their head when they think these things are explainable. They see a distant island, half of it is below the horizon, and they think that somehow is consistent with, uh, with a flat Earth. How, how do you explain that to people? How do you get through to them? Well, I think I'm more empathetic because I was a flat Earther for one day, the, mm. On the drive down to the beach, I was a flat earther. On the drive back, I was back in reality. Um, the way I, to be empathetic with them, is like I think they had, it's like, um, actually, I was recovering from a flu like, the last couple of days. And I was thinking, like, well, when you get sick, um, your body kind of like, your immune system revs up and it, your disease has to pass. So it's the same thing with this kind of flat earth belief. I don't know I'm just taking a stab in the dark here, but it's like their flat earth belief, it has to pass in a certain way. They mm-hmm. have certain questions they need answers to. And if they don't get questions to those answers, you, you're not going to erode their flat earth belief. Maybe if that, does that make sense? Or? Yeah, no, it's kind of like they've got to actually, you've got to actually get past certain things. There's a, there's a set of things that you, you wouldn't be able to persuade them with one thing because they always have these other questions. Like if you if you explain that the horizon obscures it obscures mountains, then they will ask. But water always finds its own level, so it should be flat. And then you yeah, have to get an explanation for that. And then they'll have some other thing. Yeah, I don't know what the standard flatter things are. The go-to things are. There's no real pictures from space. They'll make that claim. You know, based on nothing other than other flat earth people telling them there's no real pictures from space. I think now in the community right now, July 26, 2019, I think uh, the atmosphere acting like a mirror, like that post I made on Metabunk, because I just put that there just because that's what a lot of them seem to be using as a rebuttal to the globe now. It seems to be the one contradictory claim, I guess. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Further, uh, it, it, it's, it, I think a lot, a lot of what happens is they kind of, they reach for something that will explain one little thing, and then they try to shoehorn that into explaining everything. Sometimes you can see a reflection of of something in the distance because the like the, these heat reflections that you see in a hot road, you, know, you see mm-hmm. those over the ocean sometimes, and so they think, oh, that must be what's causing everything. And then they say, well, the the atmosphere is acting like a mirror, and then they say, well, that explains everything. But of course, it doesn't. It just explains one tiny little thing in one particular location in one particular uh, situation. And if you expand yeah. it out to other things, like you know, why is it making ten thousand feet of this mountain disappear? It just doesn't work. I mean, they, we got to give them an A for effort, but you got to give them an F for <laughs> failure. <laughs> yeah, they certainly do. Uh, so, yeah, you uh, you you posted that you were uh, kind of vulnerable 
to these types of ideas. You want to talk about that, like what your kind of state of mind was and uh, you know how it made you more uh, open to these types of things? Yeah, I don't even really understand myself, to be honest. I just know that I'm open to ideas. If I hear an idea that makes any sort of sense, like if it, um, like I have my like beliefs, like everyone has their beliefs that get them through the day. And then, because you need certain beliefs to repel information, but I try to get as rid of many of my beliefs or axioms as I can. Yeah. The only ones I really hold around are the Cermelo Frankel's set theory axioms. There's like the first five of those I'm really intimately familiar with, and then the rest of them, well, they're not really, there's no one agrees on a number. No one even knows what they are. What, what are they? Set. Is that some kind of mathematical yeah, should... thing that uh, I've never heard of? Uh, no, it's just like uh, in the 19... 19- hundreds um that was a big time for mathematics because the analysts sort of realized like um like math was falling apart right the foundations of mathematics were Mm -hmm. in tatters like there was just they needed some rigorous axiomatization of mathematics or they had nothing so they struggled and they struggled and because like Cantor came out with like there are multiple sizes of infinity and like people like go away Cantor well that's not true there's only one infinity but there's infinite cardinalities of infinities which I mean what I mean like number one is bigger than two right like one that's Uh one thing and this is two things but then if you have infinite lists of things there's also you can count like Aleph not Aleph one Aleph two Aleph three those are your Increasing cardinalities. Yeah, yeah. Different uh, versions of infinity. Yeah, but it's it's really hard to condense this in a way that is going to be accessible (laughs) to a lot of people. That's that's my problem. I'm too technical. I can just imagine the flat earthers starting to zone out. Yeah, and to finally answer your question, why am I vulnerable to the flat earth beliefs? Mm -hmm. And I said I had a few beliefs that get me through the day. Right. But I try to minimize those because beliefs are bad, but you need a few. But um, but if something, if a piece of information comes in that is not contradicted by my belief system, by my system of theorems created by my axioms, which is to just use logical terms, uh, if something is not contradicted by that, well, I have to either accept that as an axiom or I got to integrate that in some way. And so, if if any information out there doesn't contradict what I believe, then I accept it until I can disprove it. Hmm, that's an interesting. So if I told you I was a robot, would that contradict any uh, of your beliefs? Um, I mean, I've seen lots of evidence of you acting like a human. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very good, a very good yeah. copy of a of a human, perhaps. Yeah, you, you passed the Turing test. <laughs> but I, I took that question seriously because that's how, no, I, that's how I operate. A lot of the flat earthers they they have this very fundamental philosophy in a way in that they don't believe anything unless it's been shown to be true to them personally uh and and you kind of you know in, in a way like saying you don't disbelieve things unless you you have some evidence that they're not true but i mean there are yeah. things that are pretty ridiculous uh like like the idea that uh, all the birds were killed in the 1950s and replaced by robot birds which are spying on us uh which yeah. is this, this joke uh, conspiracy theory that's out there now you wouldn't really need any investigation to dismiss that, or would you? Would you actually accept that it might be true before you did any work? Well, initially, I, I never heard that until now, so I accept it for the moment, and then I try to see if I can contradict it using logic. Because I mean, I got uh, I did university logic. I got a ninety-eight in that, and that means I failed in my mind. 
But um, yeah, the, it, just the logistics of that don't make sense. How are you going to kill every bird, right? Like some of them might be hiding. That's a good know? point. Yeah, let's <laughs> come out and start breeding. Yeah, so yeah. There's, there's obvious problems with it. But yeah, it's an interesting uh, kind of uh, way of thinking about it. Is that you accept that things might be true straight away, and then you then you try to find problems with it. Uh, and you know, I think I think it kind of it kind of can work. But uh, I think the problem is if you're not very good at finding problems, if you're not very analytical, then you accept things as true and then you're, you're just simply not able to figure out why it's not true. And then you just continue to accept that it's true, like the flat earth thing. People think, well, what if, what if the earth is flat? Let me try to debunk it. And then they can't. Yeah, that's, 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 what, that's, that's, that's what a lot of them say. They say, like, I tried, like, I had the various stages of being a flat earther. I mean, like, yeah, so stage one is you hear about flat Earth and you think it's stupid. Two, you doubt something your teachers, your government, NASA told you, and wonder if the flat Earthers are onto something. Three, you actually research flat Earth, and so you watch some YouTube videos, whatever. That's what they call research. Mm-hmm. Then you finish throwing out everything you were taught in school, and you finally read. And then stage five is you realize the Earth is and always was flat. So. What that comes from is that was a failure for them to debunk it. They just didn't have the tools needed to debunk the claim that Earth is flat. So they stayed down in the rabbit hole. I would have stayed there too. I think most people they, they, most people don't actually have the ability to debunk flat Earth. But most people actually don't question the standard model either. So you get yeah. people, uh, I think, if everybody suddenly had the mindset that we had to check everything for ourselves then you'd get millions of people believing all kinds of, of things just because they don't have the ability to figure things out. Yeah, so I kind of, when I was a, a math tutor in the university math center, I made this kind of joke about um, uh, we do a sanity test. Because uh, like a sanity test is a logical fallacy. But like, you know, if you have to make a statement, mm-hmm. if you have a universe, like a, the programming, you have a array, say, and you have to verify that a statement is true for every element in the array, then you have to test every single element in the array. Now, sanity check means you just test the first couple, maybe one in the middle, right. and then if they pass, just say it's true for all of them. <laughs> it's a sanity test. Yeah. I think this kind of leads to an interesting point. Uh, a lot of people, when they talk about debunking, for critical thinking and things like that. They say that people need to be taught how to do math and how to understand science. I mean, this is something you said yourself, that people should you know, learn uh, things like Ohm's Law, uh, which you know, is great if, if that was a possibility. But I think realistically, a lot of people are not going to be able to do that. And certainly from where they are now, they're not going to be able to get to an understanding of things like you know, electrical resistance and, and simple algebra and things like that. And yeah. it's like... So the, so the oh, question is, like, is the answer teaching people how to do critical thinking and how to do math and how to do science, or is it teaching them how to evaluate you know, the science that's out there and how to determine what, what are reliable sources and you know, what science is good science? How can, you, how can you teach someone to determine what science is good science without actually teaching them science? Yeah, I think yeah, I think they got to do both of it. They got to learn how to do science themselves, and they got to learn how to evaluate what's already out there. That's just the way. And we live in a sea of information, so yeah. we need strategies for dealing with this mass, this big data we live in right now. I think a problem though is that most science isn't really useful for most people. 
in their no, daily it's, lives. It's useless, yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> even algebra. Yeah, some people, some jobs use algebra. Um, yeah, it's just if simple things like construction, they sometimes use simple algebraic things. But sometimes people, yeah, they're working construction and they're working things out, but they have these strange rules of thumb that they use. But yeah, most people they do their science at school, they do biology and physics and chemistry to a certain degree. And then they they forget most of it because most of it isn't isn't really relevant. Uh, and yeah. it would be great if everybody knew science to be able to evaluate things, but no, they can't. Uh, Richard Feynman had a quote on that. He said like uh, something about if you you got to get kids interested in science early because by the time they get to university, it is too late. They have <laughs> lost their curiosity. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very true. So then, what do you, what do we do now? Like we've got all these people who are. You know, they're, they're older than teenagers, millions of them, and they don't know very much science and they don't know very much math. And they, they're having doubts about things like, like you know, 9-11 or uh, Flat Earth or uh, chemtrails. We can't teach them yeah. science, though, can we? Yeah, that's a tough uh, question, Mick. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got to find an answer. I, I want an answer to, to that myself. I guess yeah. the, the, the first, the, the gut reaction to that is like, um, people got to take a slice of humble pie. They got to admit these kids, there's kids out there smarter than them. And they got to just maybe go back to high school and sit with the kids or, uh, or go to Khan Academy where you don't have to embarrass yourself by relearning high school. Yeah. Yeah. I think perhaps if, if you, if people are actually getting into these conspiracy theories, then yeah, there's there's kind of a, a reason for them to do the work. They really should be learning yeah. the things behind these things. You know, the, the everyday people, if they don't want to do it, then there's really, you know, there's no harm, I think, in not knowing science. I, you know, I kind of feel bad saying that, though, because I would really like everybody to learn science. But realistically, they're not going to. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's simple science out there. I mean, uh, like, uh, I guess, like... Um... You can measure the drop of acceleration, for example. You can, mm-hmm. you can drop a thing. It's, it's actually tough. I did this because I, I was like, gravity came up in the flat Earth community. So I was like, okay, I'm going to measure gravity now. And so I just like dropped an object. I just had a tape measure next to it that I could like plot um, displacement versus time, extrapolate the acceleration that particle went through. You're measuring so, gravity essentially. Yeah, but even that's really tough. It's like, what's the simplest science experiment out there? And I think, well, probably learn, figuring out the Earth is not flat is probably the simplest experiment out there. You just go to the beach and see if the, the, the ocean has got a big hump or yeah. not. Yeah. So uh, you, you said something interesting in uh, in one of your messages that you spent time uh, on di- on a Discord server, like a chat room. This is like a voice chat uh, room. Yeah, there's all these sort of underground flat earth chat rooms where uh, people try to climb the flat earth pecking order, is the way huh. I would describe it. The flat earth pecking order, how do they how do they do that? How do you progress in this pecking order? <laughs> so, like, the, I remember this, there was a hilarious episode of Bob's Burgers where, like, the turkeys just took over the town and, like, then there's there's this, this character who has this amazing voice on Bob's Burgers, and he's like, yeah, the, the turkey's got a pecking order. It's like, they know that one can, this this guy can outpeck that guy, and then so then everything is stable because they know who can outpeck who, and then uh, and then there's the guy at the top who can peck anybody, and then that's that whole, and then uh, so then to to take the town, but since the, the pecking order was destroyed, and it was just complete anarchy, right? Turkey's just pecking people and other turkeys. <laughs> So in order to take back the town, um, I think Bob's wife, uh, she just started pecking Bob, right? Because he was a big kind of 
guy, right? The turkeys were afraid mm-hmm. of him a little bit because he was big, but they could peck him. But then when they saw his wife pecking him, right, like then they're, and then she started pecking around and all the turkeys got scared of uh, his wife. I forget his wife's name, but uh, yeah, that restored yeah. order because this is pecking order was restored. So, <laughs> so that's what a pecking order is. Now, uh, in flat earth, I think what's going on is like, can you embarrass someone by not knowing something, right? Like if, hmm. like, like um, you can throw out a question as I'm like, what, what is density? And if like, if they can't answer in a couple seconds, like, what, what is density? Anyways, I got to answer that. Mass, volume, mass per volume. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I would survive that peck, I guess. Like I would, uh, <laughs> I, I, w- I would climb the pecking order a little bit because I knew that definition. But then there's people at the top, like Mark Sargent, who can out peck any flat earther. I guess. So, so like, in the, the, you say these all these flat Earth chat rooms are there really like lots of different ones? How, how would you kind of characterize the scale of this uh, this, I don't know, uh, this society? It's underground. Uh, so you don't we don't know about this it's all underground it's, it's the dark net it's the, the information we're not aware of i guess oh, yeah. again I, they were there I, I was in a few but i don't know how many there are out there at this uh, and they won't they they're hidden very well like the, you can't just get into them right there's like the 24 7 discord and then there's like the i don't know the one with qe and this other guy nathan oakley and it's like but like you get banned from them really quickly if you mm-hmm. uh if they think you might be able to outpeck them, so. But it sounds like uh, you know it's the same names coming up, you know, based on these the, the numbers of people that are actually in these things. That it's a pretty small phenomenon. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's 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 like when you do surveys, you get two percent of the American public think that the Earth might be might be flat, which is uh, what is that like? You know, five million people or something like that, six million people. Uh, which probably isn't correct. It's probably just noise. People just randomly check- checking things on these surveys. Uh, I'm sure yeah. <laughs> there's a significant number of people who uh, who lie on the surveys. But yeah, it's it's not that many people. And I think this is something that people need to understand that uh, about a lot of conspiracy theories is that there mm. usually aren't that many people who really believe it and really are into it. Uh, even with some, some of the more widespread ones like 9-11, you maybe get like a whole mass of people who say oh yeah maybe 9-11 was an inside job yeah maybe there's like, you know, like a significant percentage of people who believe that but the actual number of people actually involved in 9-11 truth is really quite small and you know much lower with flat earth as well did you ever get into looking into things like 9-11 conspiracy theories uh, I haven't actually um, I saw it in Zeitgeist and then I kind of just didn't know like I kind of maybe throughout my life I just maybe maybe it was an inside job maybe it's not but if I were to bet money on it I would bet probably a thousand dollars right now on the spot that it was not an inside job <laughs> so do you avoid looking at conspiracy theories because you worry that you might get sucked into them because of your your openness to these ideas uh no I'm not afraid of any idea at all but uh the reason I'm not looking into this 9-11 thing is because if I ever do, I'm, I'm purposely remaining ignorant on it so that I can sort of go into a rabbit hole with someone else and then I can grab a hold of them and then when I land on my trampoline, not come hmm. up with them. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, that'll be an interesting thing. Okay, so uh, you talk about math a lot and yeah. uh, you, you, you've taken like graduate courses in math yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, which is, I mean, maybe you didn't finish all of your courses, but it's vastly more advanced than the average person. Like, uh, I, I did, I think, 
some undergraduate courses in math as my first year of computer science and it just it hurt my head so much I just could not wrap my head around these uh, advanced calculus stuff that they were doing uh, back then so I didn't take math after that um, does, what is it about math that kind of immunizes you against uh, conspiracy theories or provides you with this trampoline is there something specific about math versus say physics well I guess it's just like um when you talk about beliefs that get you through the day, like some people believe they're a good person. They believe that they're going to work doing something useful. Uh, for me, the beliefs that get me through the day are Euclid's five postulates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like if you have a, a point, you can draw a straight line between any of those two points. I mean, that gets me through the day. Yeah, and you <laughs> you said that other people should learn Euclid's postulates as well. Yeah, there's like it's. I have the book Euclid's Elements, the Elements, most important yeah. book, maybe maybe the most important book of humanity. I mean, uh, I, it's up there. It's next to the Bible. It's uh, next to the Quran. It's next to the Torah. Um, yeah, it was the yeah. math Bible. But I think, it, like again, if you were to read it to the average person, it's like, what? What do these postulates even mean? Uh, yeah, the easiest way to get into Euclid's Elements is, is there's this app called Euclidia. Um, it's just like an app on your smartphone and then like you can just like prove a bunch of theorems on it and instead of like proving a theorem sounds like daunting but no it's, this is levels it's basically all this it's like levels of the game and you prove various theorems and uh, huh. it's a lot of fun actually that sounds actually sounds kind of cool yeah and do you think it's accessible though to someone who doesn't have a background in math at all no Euclidia is definitely accessible to anyone who understands what a circle and line is Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was fascinated with geometry when I was young. I, I was trying to uh, do things like trisect the angle. Yeah, is, uh, apparently that's impossible. Yeah, it's a famous impossible problem, yeah. which I think for a long time they didn't know was impossible. And I didn't believe them when they said it was impossible. It's the idea that you can uh, divide an angle exactly into three using only a compass and a straight edge and a pencil, I guess. So uh, do you want to talk about your, your landlady story? Yes, I do. That was hilarious. Take, take us back to the start of that story, though. What actually what actually happened there? Okay, so what happened was this was a horrible living condition. Like, I would not want wish this upon anyone. I would not wish, like, like I, it was like uh, basically an atheist, a Hindu, and a Christian all live in the same house for three yeah. months. And it's like the start of a joke. But, uh, but yeah, the Hindu got along with her just fine. And he was a cool guy. I went skydiving with him. Uh, never again. But actually, when you talk about chemtrails, I mean, I'm remembering the landlady story, but when you talk about chemtrails and, like, clouds being made of ice crystals, mm-hmm. remember the cloud that I went through was, like, little pricks on my face I was, I was going through it, so the clouds are made of ice crystals or whatever. Yeah, that's true. That's that, true. that one probably wasn't, though, because you'd be too low to for it to be uh, ice crystals. Oh. Uh, so oh. it was probably just you were, you were going so fast when you were falling through it that you were... What, was your parachute open at that point? No, you wouldn't do that until building. No, we were at terminal velocity at that point. Yeah, so that was probably just the water droplets. Clouds Could up to a certain been, yeah. level are made of water. Uh, oh, okay. ab- above that level, when the temperature gets cold enough, they're either water or ice, and then at a certain level, they're always ice. But anyway, we're getting off topic. You have an interesting landlady yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, so I love tangents, but uh, I can talk about yeah, tangents, I love but tangents, and but I won't. So- <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, she had all these rules in her house, it was like, uh, and she was a bit of a, not, she was a bit of a conspiracy person herself, but uh, she had this rule where it was like, in order to save power, she had to unplug, she demanded all her residents unplug the toaster to Hmm. save power, 
Now, me being an electrical engineering student, immediately knew that was false. Like, uh, immediately. Like, yeah, I had yeah. my, I had my, like, I had my knowledge, I had my belief that knew that was wrong. So I actually just forgot. Then I left it plugged in all the time, and she would flip out at me all the time for leaving it plugged in and wasting her power. I told people at work, like the electrical engineers at work, the, like the seniors there, and they were like laughing. And they are like, oh, yeah, maybe there's capacitance between the two wires, and there's a little bit of, you know, a few maybe tens in it, maybe a couple femtocents of current power or whatever. <laughs> they were like just laughing at how ridiculous this claim was. So then, but it wasn't funny for me because I was scared. I was anxious. Like this woman would like... I startled easily and she would be yelling at me, causing anxiety, causing to the point where I would be at work till 4 a.m. some nights trying to avoid her. So huh. I was like, enough of this. All, be, all because of the toaster? Yeah, all because of the toaster. I wouldn't unplug the toaster and she would yell at me and it just blew up, right? So wow. I would hide from her at work for four until 4 a.m. They must have thought I was crazy. But, um, but I did get more work done. That's the main thing. Yeah, so um, I did what you said in like in escaping the rabbit hole. You described uh-huh. like spotlight and uh, floodlight. So this was laser light. It's, it's spotlight debunking this. Yeah. What this was, I was going to show her that there was no current flowing through the toaster. So I put that in line with the toaster, and I measured the current that the toaster was when it was plugged in and switch engaged, and when it was plugged in and switch unengaged. And I showed her that the current draw was zero, basically. And then she said. Many times she tried to say, I'm going to get Art here, my electrician, I'm going to, and he'll show you you're wrong. And I said, Ruth, bring him in. Here's the voltmeter. Here's the resistor. Here's the toaster. Tell him to calculate the power draw of this thing when the switch is up. He will tell you exactly what I've told you. And then I said this to her so many times that she actually broke down in tears hmm. um, when she realized that she was wrong about this. Like, and it, it, it was an emotional thing. Um, I was hoping this would be funny, but because there is humor in it, but it's an emotional thing. It's really it's what it turned into being. So, yeah, yeah, and that's interesting because uh, you know it's not a huge belief, really. It's just no. she was just wrong about this one thing. Yeah, but what that was, that was uh, fundamental to her belief about like uh, the smart meters being a conspiracy against her, the utility company being a cons- having a conspiracy against her to extort mm. her, right? I got her to show me her electrical bill, and it actually wasn't that high. But it was, she believed the government was against her. And I didn't really listen to her when she started going on about that stuff. But but showing her that she was wrong about the toaster it just like toppled the dominoes that she had of her worldview. So did she change her mind about other things then after that, like about smart meters? Uh, I actually don't know, but because uh, she was a bit nutty and I didn't talk to her that much, but yeah. um, but she seemed happier when I finally left. Like when she left, she gave me uh, like she asked like Brad, give me a hug right when I left because I guess and she thought like that my her and my crossing paths was some sort of spiritual thing for her because she was mm-hmm. a very Christian lady, uh, really believed in Jesus. Like, like we brought her her screwdriver once, and she thought the hand of Jesus had brought her the screwdriver through me and the Indian guy. <laughs> this is kind of way, way she viewed the world. But yeah. she gave, I, I was like, yeah, I'll give you a hug. I mean, I hope you do well, and I hope she is doing well now. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's, uh, I think it's, a lot of people have these, these moments where one cherished belief gets knocked down, and then it starts, starts them on the, the road out of the rabbit hole. It's like there's two different things. Yeah. It's like with you, you bounced out straight away. Like you, mm-hmm. you kind of uh, you know played with the rabbit hole a bit, but then discovered it was it was nonsense. 
There's a guy mm. in my book, uh, in the book, like he basically, he, he heard about 9-11 the first time and he thought, oh my God, yeah, the government did 9-11, it's an inside job. And he was like into it for like yeah, nearly a week, I think. And then his brother told him like things like, you yeah, well, gravity brings things straight down. So that's why they fell down in a straight line. And he was like, oh yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, that's you know, similar to you. you. You kind of flirted with the idea for a bit and, and examined it and then discovered it was, it was false. But a lot of people, so they get, get down the rabbit hole and they explore everything down there. And then they have one thing that uh, comes through and they say, if this is wrong, what else might be wrong? And I wonder if it could be something as simple as, you know, the toaster does not draw power when it's plugged in. Yeah, when, when it's off and plugged in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when it's, uh, when it's plugged in and off. Uh, and, you know, and that belief from her point of view isn't entirely unreasonable because you get, no. you get, you get told about parasitic power for things like TV and uh, you know, amplifiers and things. And if your TV's switched in, plugged in and switched off, a lot of the time it's drawing power. Uh, and the funny thing was, she left her TV plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been about uh, you know, a million yeah. times as much power being wasted as uh, yeah, this toaster. Yeah, so I guess that's uh, it's a good lesson in that if you can uh, convince somebody about a, a deeply held belief, it doesn't have to be the one that's like some big conspiracy theory. I mean, it was just a mistake, essentially, on her part. I'm sure it was related to these other things, but it's something that's on the line between uh, her reasonable beliefs and her unreasonable beliefs. But it was something that was solidly in the camp of her, uh, her, her beliefs, which she thought were, were reasonable, but were actually not. Yeah, I wanted to talk a bit more though, about the, uh, these chat rooms. So I'm very interested okay. in the, the idea of like, uh, you know, it's not really the dark web, the discord servers, they're just private discord servers that you're on. You're not actually yeah, going the underground to flat earth community. Yeah, you're not going via Tor browsers. How how no. does it how does it differ from like the, the stuff that shows up on YouTube? Like on YouTube you get them chatting with each other and they're they're public chats. Is there a difference between the the what flat earthers do in private versus what they do in public? The difference is public and private. So like in public whatever you say is broadcast etched in stone is etched into the internet so you're going to be careful about what you say but when you're on the discord server you can just joke around and be a little let your guard down kind of thing and i was actually accused of that like because uh, i was talking with some some flatter who's like some guy right the hand or whatever i, I remember names and details but uh, i was talking with him and we were having jokes and they were like oh they thought i was a pretty cool guy for a glober and then as soon as we went on the public uh talk i started well I'm not going to joke about uh, Earth being flat anymore or, like, uh, I'm not going to make any sort of misconstrue myself as a flat earther because the Earth is round. I'm a very educated person, uh, and I want to get that across to people. So uh, I want that to be my public image. I don't want my public image to be that I was a flat earther for a day. That's just a joke, right? The public image is you got to strive for your public image. So I had to do that, and um, they got really angry at me because I started being right about stuff. Essentially. Do you think and, like the, a lot of what they do is just kind of like for social reasons, like they're just having fun hanging yeah. out and they just That's keep doing it? I think. It is. I mean, it is fun just chatting with them. I, I've actually chatted with the flat others for a while and it's, uh, you know, they're, a lot of them are fairly nice people. A few of them are not, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of nice people there. And it's fun to chat. And it's almost like they keep doing it 
That's why I'm thinking about these these uh, private rooms, these these underground meetings. It's like they're having a little party in there. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I wouldn't know because I'm generally not invited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so just finish up. Like, suppose there was someone in the same situation as you, like back when you were interested in this type of thing, and uh, maybe they don't yeah. have your background in mathematics. Uh, what advice would you give to someone? who's starting to look into Flat Earth and give it, is giving it some credulity? Um, I don't know, because I'm afraid anything I say is going to be a uh, backfired effect. So <laughs> maybe I would say nothing, actually. I would just look at them. Right. I would just listen to what they said. Maybe that's it. That's all I might do. Tell them that you so would, uh... I'd say my ears are open. That's all. I would, maybe that's all I would say. <laughs> But if I had to say something, I would say uh, geometry, the etymology of the word geometry means geo means earth, mm-hmm. metry means measurement, geometry means measurement of the earth, and Euclid was not a flat earther because he lived in Greece, ancient Greece, where they measured the uh, circumference of the earth, and he would have been in these academic circles. I suppose they would say that's all fake there. Yeah, there was one guy, Pete Shea, I mentioned that to him, and he said, like, oh, well, Euclid probably didn't exist, and uh, you can't know what you're talking about with this stuff. And, like, um, yeah. So they, they got other um, questions that they need answers to, so much, so really you got to see what questions they have in their minds. Because, mm-hmm. like, some stuff they'll just accept right away. Like, I remember I told Pete Shea, is like, he just asked me really quickly in one of these hangouts, it's like, if you go up a hill, does the air get less dense? And I said, yes. And he's like, so then he took that immediately. He would accept that without question. Yeah, so the, the simple observations like that that you, anyone can make that I think you know, maybe you can point out to people. Uh, yeah, I think I would give up, give them the, you know, your example of looking at an island that's distant and looking at it from different heights. You know, it's a great, uh, great experiment people can do to to demonstrate that the, something is obscuring the bottom of the island. It's a great experiment if your mind is open, yeah, but uh, the flat earthers, I, because I, I'm always thinking about, I still haven't figured it out why are people believe in this, and I, I think maybe it's just they have certain questions, so flat earthers, articulate your questions and answer them yourself, articulate your question. you have questions, articulate them the best you can for yourself so that you can f- figure out exactly what answers you need. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, understanding what the question actually is, uh, is, yeah. a good, is a good start, because a lot of people, they, they don't they don't really you know, have good questions. And that's kind of a... They're confused. They don't know what they want to know. They don't know yeah. what they don't know. They're confused. Yeah. And then we don't know what they don't know either, so it's, it's hard to help. Yeah, we're them, confused. So. Yes. <laughs> a lot of the times I'm very confused by flat earthers. I'm like, how, what is going on in your head where you can't say that this is being obscured? But anyway, that's all uh, a bit off topic. But Well, uh, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Uh, yeah, I was um, I was t- saying to my friends, I was like, man, I was excited that I was going to talk to you because um, I don't know if you know something good back, right, but the Tony Hawk Underground game. And uh, I think you were involved with that. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand. Yeah. I was the uh, technical director of Tony Hawk Yeah, Vox so I mean, I'm, I'm flabbergasted to be in the presence of you right now for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, I, I found that Game programming is actually being quite useful in terms of uh, debunking because there's a lot of things that went into making games like the Tony Hawk games where uh, the the things you have to think about are similar to uh, what you have to think about in debunking these conspiracy theories or investigating these videos and things. So if someone shows you a, a picture 
of you know something that's either visible or not visible then you can work out in 3d what's going on uh which you know most people can't but then you, you can do that and then you can figure out a way of explaining it to people so it's it's quite handy being a computer games programmer and people kind of mock you or they mock me <laughs> and they say oh it's just a video game programmer but actually it's one of the best things that you could be if you want to be uh interested in kind of neutrally debunking things all right brad well uh, i'd like to thank you very much for being uh being a guest it's been a very interesting conversation yeah thanks Mick. Um, it's been a pleasure to be on the podcast i'm uh i've been looking forward to this uh, for weeks <laughs> yeah well